Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Hey Lions fans, Michael Gray here for the Detroit Lions Podcast with a week two edition of About Last Game, which was really about a game last year and the year before that. The ever-present thorn in the paw that is the Seattle Seahawks. Let's get right to it. Before I get started, please make sure you subscribe to the channel, uh, rate and the likes and the bells and the clicks and the things, uh, all of the comments. I imagine they'll be just a joy to get into this week after a really frustrating game. I'm not going to lie, this one's emotional, uh, if only because, at least for me, and this is 100% just me talking, I thought this was the game that the Lions could come out and put a stamp on their growth. They, they could show you that this year's Lions team is not last year's Lions team, isn't plagued by some of the same problems, and you had a perfect crash test dummy in the Seattle Seahawks, who have been a blight on the life of Lions fans for now three straight seasons. And the fact of the matter is, not only did the Lions come up short in overtime against Seattle, but so many of the same themes played out in this game. Pete Carroll just flat out has Dan Campbell's number in crunch time. It's They've been three very exciting games. Neutral fans love it when the Seattle Seahawks and the Detroit Lions get together because they know they're in for a firework display, which is great fun if you like the Browns or the Steelers or the Chargers or some team not from Detroit. Uh, it was... It, it was, it is an emotional loss to me because I really thought this was an opportunity squandered by this year's team. Now, it's not the end of the season. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. All of the cliches apply. But Detroit showed up. Ford Field was absolutely insane. The fans did everything that you could ever ask a fan base to do. They gave you the perfect environment all they needed was the reward at the end, and the Lions came up short. That part sucks. But it's the NFL. No one's going to feel bad. Five more days, and you got to do it all over again against a brand new opponent who, by the way, isn't half bad themselves. Got to find a way to solve these Seahawks. Absolutely have to find a way to beat Seattle. There's a reason they were on the enemies list. This game was really important. The Lions come up short. Who knows? If the chips fall the right way, there might be a second chance at these guys this season. Some of the bigger issues, turnovers. Dan Campbell, all week long since the game, has been beating the drum of the turnovers and how frustrated he was and how much he has to get that cleaned up. Now, there is absolutely no doubt that when you give up essentially 14 points with a pick six and a fumble, 
uh, right near the goal line and you just give an opponent that kind of scoring opportunity that you're going to struggle, that it's going to be tough. If there is a silver lining to be found in the turnovers, um, and the, I mean, the, the never really is, this team was still in it despite the fact that it continually shot itself in the foot. The continually shooting itself in the foot, that thing, that's going to have to change. If you turn the ball over two, three times a game, the Lions aren't going to do any of the things that we expected them to do this year. So I understand the emphasis on the turnovers. Ultimately, I think the most important turnover of the game was the one that happened with the coin toss at overtime because that's the one that kept the offense off the field and Jared Goff never got a chance to touch the ball and we all know how the game ended because of a much bigger issue to me. And that is the defense. What was that? What was that? What was that game plan? I, I, I don't understand how Pete Carroll can come in, run 13 personnel, give Geno Smith three plus seconds on every snap on average to only get the one sack when Geno was running around trying to run out clock to eliminate the two-minute warning. All of the things that the Lions worked on in the offseason, all of the emphasis on the defensive line, all of Aaron Glenn's plans for being aggressive and coming after the quarterbacks and through two weeks, nada. Now, Aiden Hutchinson's getting some pressure. And yes, Aiden Hutchinson is also being held like a lead in a romance novel. But that doesn't excuse the rest of the defensive line from doing its job. John Kaminsky, save for one quick comedic moment on the sideline, was basically invisible. Aleem has not been the difference maker that so many people had hoped he was. And Bugs and Broderick Martin are still inactive week to week. Though I'm going to go ahead and just guess with a rushing team like Atlanta coming to town, we might see those guys get in on the roster this week. I, I, don't, I don't know what that was. You had linebackers at rush end. You had rush ends covering tight ends. You had the linebacking core was clearly put into conflict by the offensive game plan because Seattle knew what Detroit's defense was going to do. And that's a problem because that's schematic. When the opponent shows up and knows where your linebackers are going to be and more importantly knows where they want to put them so that they can have success and then they have success at the kind of clip that they were having it, that goes all into the defensive game plan. And I know to this point, Dan Campbell has talked about the offense. He's talked about the turnovers. He's talked about putting the defense in a bad place. But the defense had a shot in overtime, and Seattle went right through them and never gave the Lions a chance to come out and answer with an offensive charge of their own because they had complete mastery over that defense when it mattered. And they came on in the second half when they wilted a week earlier against the Rams and they knew exactly what they wanted to do and they knew how to do it. And that is three years in a row that Seattle's been able to do that. The numbers came out immediately after the game. Through three games against Seattle, Aaron Glenn's defense has given up almost 1,500 yards and something like 136 points. You can't keep doing that. You can't keep letting these guys dictate all of the terms on offense because what that means is that your offense can't make a mistake. And they did. There were a couple of errors. Those are going to happen. But complementary football can't mean that one side of the team has to be perfect or you're going to get blown out by the same team at home year after year after year. That defensive game plan needs work. 
and they've got a completely different beast coming up in Atlanta. We're not even going to get into that for a couple more days. I need to process this one first. Um, they got to figure out this game plan because what they what they rolled out there against Seattle just isn't going to do. Another greater issue that this game speaks to directly, overall coaching. Talked about the defense in particular. I thought that game plan obviously needs to be revisited. Some things have got to be rethought. But the coaching staff itself has to take a hard look in the mirror. Now, Dan Campbell on Monday came out and said that he had specifically addressed certain players, that he expects to be more consistent on the defensive side of the ball, that he specifically addressed players on the offense, that he expects to eliminate the mistakes that led to the turnovers. But there is also a greater issue with coaching that he has to answer for himself. We know by now that Dan Campbell is going to go for it on fourth down. It's just going to be that thing that you have to watch with your heart in your throat and all the acid and bile in your stomach, and you're just going to have to sit through it because that's how this guy's going to play football. Pete Carroll addressed it after the game, saying that if you're playing these guys and you know that they're going to do that, you've got to match that energy. You've got to come with the same kind of confidence that Dan Campbell is going to have in his team. Here's the thing. The play calling gets real confusing when you go for it inside your 40 and come up short in the first half, and then you play for the field goal with a kicker that you haven't seen the entire game with the whole thing on the line. Now, luckily, Patterson comes out and hits it. But you had all your timeouts. You had all of this time. If you believe in this ruthless aggression style of offense, where's that going at the end of the game when this team had an opportunity to close it out? Why isn't it moderated in the beginning of the game when a a field goal in the first half is the difference in the game. Late, you don't need to go to overtime. That field goal that Patterson hits at the end, that doesn't tie it. That ends it. That wins you a game. Now, Campbell has said at every step that he's learning to and that he'll take lessons from every game, and I believe that's true. But this coaching staff has to be honest with itself and at least address whether or not they really feel like they put their players in the best possible position, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Just went over all of that. I still have a theory. I mentioned this in the postgame show that AG might have been grumpy because he knew he was in for a long afternoon with the game plan that they had and the players that Seattle was rolling in with. It is hard for me to imagine that they can go back and watch that tape and just assume that everybody at every level of the defense was wrong and that with all of the problems on offense they had with turnovers, that none of that comes back to anything other than the players. That just seems disingenuous to me. Hopefully there are some lessons that can be learned and learned quickly. All right. Well, this is about last game and we're following up a loss. So that means we get our season's first taste of polish that turd and this is uh trying to find some good in the loss and i will admit uh this is, this is tough because again this was an emotional loss to me i was really i really wanted the lions to win this one and they and they really didn't and uh and my twitter feed is just chock full of entirely too happy seahawk fans and uh i get it you know you walked into literally the lion's den and you walk out with a dub uh, the one thing that I can say, and, and Dan Campbell did say this, is that for a young team, you can use this moment as, as a tool to teach and to perhaps ward off any undue overconfidence. No, this team shouldn't have had that. They do have a veteran enough presence, young as they may be, uh, to have guys 
expect to keep their minds right and go week to week and know that this is the NFL and that you can be beaten on any given Sunday and on and on and on. But Dan Campbell seemed to take some joy in this. I think he was maybe hedging his bets against some guys that were feeling just a little too good about life recently. Again, I'm not sure how that happens, especially after the way last year started, but now he has this in his possession. He can use this as a way to get ahead of anything before, as he pointed out on Monday in his press conference, that before these malfunctions start to spread, before the missed assignments become contagious, before the coming up just short and having guys out of place, one on every different play, becomes a habitual kind of issue, as it was when they started 1-6 last year, which is something else he mentioned, that this kind of thing can spread and that it did that just a year ago. Uh, Obviously, they've made a lot of changes in that locker room. Anybody that was here last year on this roster is a year older. There ought to be a veteran enough presence to get a handle on that thing, but in the event that there's not the head coach now, has a tool in his possession that he can use to make sure that his players stay focused, on point, and get ready to go for that Atlanta game. At least I hope so. That's it for about last game. I'm going to continue feeling sorry for myself for a couple more days, and then we'll get back with my wish list for the Falcons as they roll into town into what will also be just a nutso environment there at Ford Field. Again, subscribe to the channel. Uh, Do all of the the likes and the bells and the thumbs up and the comments. Let me know what you think about last week's game and anything you saw here. We'll see you in a few days. Let's bring it here together. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Lions on three. One, two, three. You've had enough of that shit.